ಸಹನೋಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಷಾವಹೈ ಸೊ ನಾವು ಆಲ್ ರೀಡ್ ದ ಕ್ವೆಶನ್ಸ್ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಬಿಲ್ಡಿಂಗ್ ಅ ಬಾಂಡ್ ವಿತ್ ಗಾಡ್ ಬಿಲ್ಡಿಂಗ್ ಅ ಬಾಂಡ್ ವಿತ್ ಗಾಡ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ದ ಕ್ವೆಶನ್ಸ್ ನಂಬರ್ ಒನ್ ಹೌ ಡು ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟ್ ಬಿಲ್ಡಿಂಗ್ a relationship with god how to start building a relationship with god well depends on how you feel depends upon uh, what form of god you have chosen if it is shri krishna for example you can look upon him as a friend some people look upon him as beloved elder people look upon him as as a child Lord Shiva, when we look upon him as father. Devi, when we look upon her as mother. So, depending on what kind of feeling you have about the deity. So, relationship is one of these close relationships that we have with our family members. Father, mother, brother, friend, son, beloved. so you think about the devata the lord that you are worshiping and see what suits the most for you to relate to that devata so and then it will build up so whenever you start your puja you look upon say lord krishna as a friend as a brother as a beloved whichever way you like and then you treat him that way suppose when puja then you as though you are offering it to your brother to your friend to your father to your mother so with every offering in the puja when that relationship is asserted it slowly you know grow in course of time will become close also so that's a way to start relationship and create a bond with the with the lord how to remain devoted have faith in god and perform all religious acts regularly if you have any question then you, you are welcome to ask anybody how to remain devoted have faith in god and perform all religious acts regularly now religious acts you have to yourself choose what it is that you want to do on a daily basis and choose a quantum of things like puja or japa or chanting or reading they are all religious acts now depending upon your time convenience and preparedness you first choose a quantum which is doable it's a bite size you know doable so this much puja you will do or this much chanting you will do or this much if you like meditation uh or japa or reading what is it that you like start with something that you like start with bite size 
and when you are slowly enjoying it, then you can increase the quantum. Sometimes people take so much, uh, you know, they start with so much that they can't cope with it because you would want to do when you are interested or when it gives you some kind of a pleasure. Right. Now that may not happen right away. That's why we take bite size and enjoy what you are doing. Or seek to have, enjoy what you are doing. Right. So enjoying what you are doing is a very important thing. And that applies to puja also, to japa also. It may not happen right away. But this is your uh, attitude that I know this is where the real joy is. And I know that it will happen. So with that trust, you... So what are the acts of worship? One is pujanam, puja. At the level of limbs. Second is reciting his name, his stotras, you know, at the level of speech. Meditating, repeating his name mentally, japa. So at the level of limbs or body, level of speech, level of mind. Each following level is subtler than the previous one. So puja is relatively easy to focus attention. In all of this, more attention we can focus, more effective it will be. And that also may not be right away. But this is our approach. And therefore I say take bite size, something that you like to do. Puja can be very elaborate, can be short, simple also. So start with something simple that you can relate to, you can enjoy, you can do. So take doable things in bite size. After puja is over, some time for oral worship, like uh, reciting maybe a stotra or some, some verses, maybe reciting his name. When it is over, then let something mental, say mental japa for some time. So this combination can be there in the forms of worship of, we call it Ishta Devata. Ishta Devata means chosen deity. So the deity that I worship, yeah, Ishta Devata. And you choose the Ishta Devata, it coming, coming down from the family anyway, so sometimes it's chosen for you or you can, yes. you can make a choice, Ishta Devata. So that is how the, uh, and assign a time slot. We yes. are not, when you are not hurried. What happens is, this kind of acts of puja are very often sandwiched between two activities. Yes. You complete one activity, your mind has not yet found the freedom from that activity or, or, or uh, uh, poise and you do this puja, another activity is to be started. So mind is uh, concerned what, of, with what happened and what's going to happen, etc. So yes. as best as you can, uh, try to assign a time slot. That's why it's a doable, where you are relaxed. There's no pressure on you that you have to finish something, you have to start something else as much as possible. So choose the time slot here where you are relaxed that I know for half an hour nothing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the, that will help you to focus attention. Right. Right. And so, yeah. So that is the, the act of worship.
and uh, if you choose a time where you can do it you get up at a certain time and you start your activities and, in, and you can have assign a time such that uh, it can happen every day right. uh, time slot that you assign 7 to 7:30 whatever it is which is doable for you which you can do every day so that kind of time slot you assign to this so then it'll be possible to do every day yes yeah in your routine so they'll make it regular yes okay so any questions on this now this is very helpful i think very good steps to remain uh, uh, regular and make the activities doable okay very good thank you then we go to the next one is it selfish and wrong to remember god only in bad and low phases of life or when you are in need of help nothing self nothing wrong in it selfish we always are nothing wrong only because it is god you can imagine your mother or your father you know or grandfather who are so generous you can approach them at any time and you are generally busy with activities as a child also but then you just go and hug and then come away so they, they they understand they accept it it's not that you didn't come yesterday or etc so that's how ishwara is bhagwan is so we can always feel free there is no fear no no reservation so slowly that relationship build up there you don't feel reservation fear and so it is true that we should try to remember him as much as we can and not wait for a low period or a bad time to remember him there is a very famous saying by sage kabir sukhme sumirana sav kare dukhme kare na koi jo dukhme sumirana kare jo sukhme sumirana kare dukh kahe ko hai he said that everybody remembers him only when they are in grief or in difficulty when they become well when they happy nobody remembers him so he says if they remember him when they are happy then happiness would not come and so uh, the question of remembering etc comes because we don't enjoy those acts that is a problem there is no no incentive is required in doing something that you enjoy if remembrance of god also does not create a particular enjoyment then you have to do it willfully and then uh, there is something more interesting waiting for you so that you finish this off and then do that so that is why at least that this much we can do we can assign a time when we will do it and then rest of the time when there is leisure you remember there was choose a name shri krishna sharanam mama whatever namantra and uh, so whenever you have time in between activities etc remember that in the beginning you may have to remember it or you know pay it in course of time it will become a routine that your mind will keep on repeating without your special attempt also 
it may go on in the background and then when you pay attention it will become manifest you know in between activities etc so good idea is that remembering him all the time but that will happen when you repeat that mantra or name and keep on doing it when you are alert or when you are aware for and then slowly it will go on even when you are not aware for that's the idea you know of repeating his name but ideal it is to remember him all the time you know how remember what grace or favor you are receiving constantly from ishwara that anything that you are able to do that you can speak you can hear you can do things is all because of his grace meaning that he ishwara's grace is involved in everything that we do without his grace i cannot talk and you cannot hear this may like, sound like superstitious but well see our scriptures talk about the the presiding deity adhisthan devatas or presiding deities for example fire god fire god is the presiding deity of organ of speech meaning that right now i can speak only if i am enjoying the grace of fire god other devata is called dig devata the gods of quarters the directions they preside over the function of hearing meaning that i can hear if i am enjoying the grace of dig devatas lord vishnu is the presiding deity of the movement motion so i can move i can walk about when i am enjoying his grace so more we learn about ishwara more we we will appreciate his grace and his presence in our life how he is constantly pervading in our life more we learn about him more grateful we will be a sense of gratitude will be there that's how devotion will come because he is asking doing all the unasked all these favors are done unasked like our grandmother used to do things unasked or you know even parents also do things when you come home uh, you know the, the breakfast is ready when you come back from your play etc milk is ready things like that so if you remember our childhood how the parents were doing grandparents were doing so ishwara is doing constantly this is to observe in our life how things are ready for us when we were born the faculty of breathing was there and air was there for to breathe so eyes were there light was there to see so uh, more we more we appreciate the life simple things more we appreciate his grace and presence in our life and that way it becomes easier to remember him you know so that will happen but choose a mantra or a name and that will help you to remember him not wait for bad time or something only one question one question what does uh, uh, how should we interpret lord fire as how should we Like when we say Lord Fire is in the speech, hmm. to observe that, hmm. what should we understand Lord Fire as? Because we don't have the samskar. We have the samskaras that God is everywhere, 
but we don't generally have the samskaras of uh, Lord Fire is in the speech. So, uh, how to understand and how to develop it? There is a question here. I said that Fire God is the presiding deity of the organ of speech. The question is, when I am speaking, how do I remember Fire God because I do not find any association of Fire God with speech. Now that may need a little bit of thinking. That we sometimes experience that when we are suffering from cold, the speech is getting affected, you know. So there is sometimes experience that when the fire has become weak, so the speech also becomes weak. So we may have to find our own connections that way or accept it in faith. Many of these things are we may not be able to ourselves verify. So accept them in faith. Some things we can verify also. But also uh, like when we say fire, then my mind is usually taking the elemental fire as fire. But we are not talking about that element. We are talking about the preceding deity of even that element fire, right? But element fire, the presiding deity of element fire has fire in us. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So now, uh, so anybody has any questions on what I said uh, in the last 15 minutes or so? No, no, Swami. Okay. Yeah, no, Swami. All right. Good, good. So shall we go ahead then? Further question. The second question is on work-life-health balance, the topic. First the topic was building a bond with God. So we looked at those questions. Now the second topic is work-life-health balance. Balance between work-life and health, balance between the two. Question is, what is the best way to maintain balance in life? Especially when you are career oriented as well as very family centric. So, on one hand there is career, professional career, which also is important to me. On the other hand is my family, which is also important to me. And if I uh, want to do justice to the demands of my professional career, sometimes it consumes so much time and energy that I don't have enough time for my family. On the other hand, I value my family also, I love them, I enjoy their company and being with them. If I want to do justice to my family, then sometimes enough time is not available for my professional career. So this is a good question. Which question is uh, uh, occurs to most people of balancing things. Because we are caught up between two demanding things. We have love for both of them. Many we want, we want both the things. On one hand, we want 
you want to progress in a professional career, do well, you want to be successful as a professional person, at the same time, I value for my family, I enjoy their love, I understand that these two are things, things are at a different level. The success, the professional career and success is at the ego level. You know, the ego wants success, wants to progress in professional career, is competitive, it compares itself with other fellows and judges itself and wants to be as good, wants to be better than others, it has goals, it has uh, ideals, this is ego. The family life is enjoyed by the emotional being, you know, we are, we are egoistic people also, intellectual people also and emotional people also. So we want ideally satisfaction at all levels. Third thing that we want is enjoying pleasures, having good food, good music, watching movies, you know, going out with friends, uh, sightseeing, traveling, that also we want. You want to be with family also, enjoy their company, enjoy their love. So his love is enjoyed at one level of our personality, the emotional being. The career, etc., belongs to the ego. Doesn't matter, this is just for your understanding that I am telling you. And that's the reason why the demands can conflict because two different aspects of personality have two different needs. So on one hand, I have need also to satisfy my ego and that happens when I am successful, when I am appreciated, when I am praised at the place of work and so forth. So that is also my need. On the other hand, also need the love of my parents, of the spouse, of my family. That also I want. That also is my need. So then, very often this need pulls me from one to the other. And therefore the question is, so what is the best way to maintain balance in life? When the career also is important to you and family life also is important to you. Now these conflicts are very common because in every, very often situations uh, create this conflict of different demands. For example, a man is a husband also to his wife, his son also to his mother or parents and sometimes there are demands from the spouse one kind of demand of time, attention etc. From parents also demand of time, attention and that's where the balance comes. If you try to please one, the one that's displeased and so forth and so on. So that is why you have to be judicious at those situations. You have to judiciously, judiciously make choices and here also you know that your career is demanding. Sometimes it is possible that and what we often do is usually we sacrifice our family because that is within my control. But I cannot sacrifice my career because that is not in my control. 
the success, the professional success in my career is not only determined by me, but there are many others like my boss, the organization and many other things that are involved in a successful career. Meaning that as far as my professional career is concerned, the success is concerned, I do not have the freedom. I have to conform to the demands that the career places upon me, then only I can be successful. So therefore I feel more compelled by the demands of my profession. And therefore, more often than not, this likelihood of my compromising the demands of the family. Family also makes demands. The family also needs my attention. They also need my time. They also need quality time. So thus, two conflicting demands are there. But because, usually, whether to give time to family or not is in my hand. And therefore, the family more often than not gets sacrificed in favor of the profession. This is the usual thing. Now, we have to pay attention of what we are doing and how I must observe if I am sacrificing one for the sake of the other. Now, it may happen that the professional demands are so much that you have to attend to them at the cost of your time with family. It is possible. In which case, family members will complain, you are never home, don't come in time, don't pay attention to us. Even you are there, you are all preoccupied, etc., etc. We don't have your attention, we don't have quality time. This happens. So let us accept that this is happening. Because there is a pressure as far as my business is concerned, my career is concerned, and that occupies my mind. And even though I love my family, my mind is not available to pay adequate attention to them. Then I sit with the family, share my pressures, concerns, values, attitudes with them. As to why, how I love the family, how I value for spending time with them, but how other demands are there, and how therefore I am not will do what I like to do. Let them, you share with them. Let them participate in your life. Let them understand the kind of difficulties or conflicts you are going through. I don't mean that you talk about the business thing, but the conflicts that are created because of conflicting demands and what your difficulties are in trying to balance the two, let them understand. They will sympathize with you. Then they will understand that maybe you cannot devote three hours a day to them, you can devote two hours a day to them, one hour a day to them. But if they understand, they will sympathize with you and make sure that whatever time you spend with family is quality time. At that time, don't keep on looking at your mobile and then all that stuff, you know. So keep everything aside and spend quality time with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, whoever they are. Then they know that you care for them. You see, what is meant by the family demand is that the family wants to be assured that you care for them. And this is how we can show the care by spending quality time, by recognizing and letting them know that you value them, that they are important to you. 
But even if you are not able to spend time, adequate time, does it mean that they are not important to you? Communicate that. And therefore, sort of involve them also in your management of time. Make them part of it. I think that way you may be able to balance uh, a professional career and the family. Sometimes there are difficulties at home. You may find there some employee, you have some uh, assistant you have, subordinate that you have. You know, sometimes people come late. Sometimes they go home early. Sometimes they are not attentive. Sometimes they make mistakes. No? So at that time, it is a good idea to again communicate with the person. What is the reason why you are late? What's the reason why you are, I find you going early? What's the reason why you are not attending? What's the reason why you are making mistakes, etc. It is likely that that person has some difficulties at family. So share with them. So thus communication is an important thing in each case. And how to balance is what you will decide. Depending upon how much resources of time and available to you, and how you budget them, you'll be able to best decide basically if you have value for both family as well as professional career, then you'll find your balance. And if you find that, oh, you didn't do it well, next time you'll make a better choice. Is that clear? Anybody has any question? No, Swamiji. Hmm. Clear. Okay. So you know how to balance your family life with your professional life. I'm sure questions may arise in future. No problem. If no questions arise right now, or we can we can proceed further. And one question, yes, please. So, uh, so we want to balance work and uh, family life. Hmm. I have uh, a desire for both my career and. Uh, my family to give quality time. Right. Now, uh, it is also my requirement to spend time with the family. Mm -hmm. So, in both cases, I have to lose something. Like, I have to give up something. If I give up a little bit of work, then I am able to spend time with. So, how to resolve that? Because, uh, Let's say if I pay more attention to career and I am able to give, okay, yes, I give quality time, but I still am not kind of content with just the amount of time I'm given or the amount of time I spent with my kids or my parents or so. So your question is that in order to make choose one thing, you have to let go the other thing, meaning that. If you spend more time with your career, then you have to let go some time with your family. Meaning that the pleasure or happiness that you get from family, you have to let go in order to fulfill your commitments to the career. You don't understand this, that this is how. You can't have two. Otherwise, balance, question of balance will not come. Question of balance comes because there are conflicting demands. 
And when you make a choice, you know that you have to give up the other one. If that is clear to you, then perhaps problem will not, you know, you'll be able to deal with it. You know that you to, today you have to go early. You'll come late. And then you can't spend time with family members. You resolve it in your mind. This is how it is. Then you'll be able to deal with it. So meaning that there should be clarity in your mind as to what you are going to do, why you are going to do, and what the consequences are. Let the whole picture be clear in your mind. Then you'll be able to deal with it. Okay. Now, next question about this work-life and health balance. How to make best use of time? Often making excuses of lack of time to excel and progress in your career as well as build a loving and caring relationship with all those who matter to you and taking care of mental and physical well-being of everyone at home. There is too much. Number one, how to make best use of time to excel and progress in your career as well as build a loving and caring relationship. Now, you, you have to budget, we already discussed how to budget the time. But maybe it's a good idea that every day you sit down in the morning before starting your day and review what all you are going to require, you are re, to be required to do in terms of your professional life, in terms of your family life. What are the various demands on you? Make a list of them and allot the time slots. So if you plan your day and then make a commitment, I'm going to do this. Now sometimes mind may get lazy, sometimes mind is not interested, sometimes it does not cooperate. In which case you may have to sort of, you know, uh, be firm with your mind and do what is required to be done. Uh, if we, if we, uh, submit ourselves to vagaries of the mind, then mind will take us for a ride. That's why planning is important. Budgeting time, it's a very scarce and valuable resource. And therefore, you budget your time for what activities and as best as possible, try to follow them. So slowly the mind will become disciplined and then will not take liberty. In the beginning, mind will want to take. Why does mind take liberty? Because it wants to do something that it enjoys and avoid something it doesn't enjoy. That's the reason why excuses are there. Because we do things that we don't like to do, we don't care to do, we don't enjoy doing them. So, basic need that the mind has is it wants to have pleasure. And so, it likes to do something that gives it pleasure. There are certain tasks that are mundane tasks, routine tasks, monotonous tasks, which the mind does not enjoy. The mind wants to avoid them. That is why we have decided, this is what I am going to do during this time slot, whether the mind likes it or not. So, there the willpower, because we cannot be given a ride by the mind because mind always wants to do what it likes to do. 
that you have to have what you call the free will, exercise free will, your willpower that I am going to do this. Mind doesn't like it, doesn't cooperate with you, I am going to do this. It may be difficult in the beginning, but slowly in course of time we train the mind. So the mind follows our will, our decision in course of time. So that is how the excuses will not come in course of time. <clears throat> so best use of time is what you decide. As I said in the morning, you decide how best you want to utilize your time. What are the most important things to you? What demand these things have? What time and how much time they demand? You plan out. You can't do everything anyway. You may not be able to fulfill all demands. So you make a decision in the morning itself that this is what I can do. And then try to follow that plan. You may not be able to follow. Review in the evening whether you follow or not. And see what next you can do next day. So thus planning and reviewing, planning and reviewing. Uh, and using willpower where the mind does not cooperate is a way to train the mind and then thus uh, use our time as we want to use. The best, what is best use is decided by you. What is best use? To do what is necessary to do. Not necessarily to do what you like to do. In every situation we have two choices. What I like to do and what is right to do. Understand? What I like to do, what is right to do. The mind wants to do what it likes to do. Whereas, our willpower should be exercised to do what is right to do. You need willpower, self-control or discipline to do what is right to do. For example, you know, having a nice dinner, lot of good food is there. What is right to do for me is one thing. What the mind wants to do is another thing. There are samosas. What is right is only two samosas. That's what my stomach can accommodate. The mind may want four or five samosas. Just an example. And so, mind wants to take liberty. It wants to indulge. It wants to avoid what it doesn't like. Indulge into what it likes. You follow? Both ways. So that is where the intellect or the discipline comes or the willpower comes. The two, three samosas, no more. Two gulab jamun, no more. Half an hour TV, no more. Etc, etc. So make create boundaries. And try to make the mind remain in those boundaries. So that way you will learn how to use the willpower. To train the mind to cooperate with you. Otherwise, if you do what the mind wants you to do, it will take you for a ride. And then you have no control over your time, no control over everything. And therefore, in every situation, ask us, what is right to do, what I like to do. If both are right, see, what you like is also what is right, then no problem. But then what is right is not what you like, then they, generally speaking, do what is right. And let the mind avoid what, what it likes. You follow? That's how we can train the mind. In course of time, mind will cooperate with you. Mind will start liking what is right. In course of time, the mind also will start liking what is right. Then there is no conflict. 
okay and we already talked about the balance between the career and the family you know so we already spoke about that and taking care of mental and physical well-being of even at home well depends on what your responsibilities are you can't do everything you can't take care of everybody at home if that physical and mental if it is your responsibility then you should try to do that don't take responsibility for something that is no that you cannot deal with <coughs> so any more questions on this issue of how do you best use the time Hmm. I have a question regarding the work-life balance. Hmm. Uh, so uh, we have to compromise something for balancing. Uh, so how to make sure that while we are uh, compromising, we are not going to the extent that we are damaging ourselves? Is there an indication that we can uh, have, like a benchmark, that if this happens, then we have to check our goals, perhaps reduce it or. something so that we don't go to the extent of that damaging ourselves you will know if as a result of doing something you feel sad you feel unhappy then you know that you've gone beyond the limit so you are the best judge of deriving what is the limit because uh, mind feels there is a resistance from the mind or mind feels uh, disappointed frustrated sense of loss is there you know if that's how you feel then that means that you have to sort of you know that's a boundary now we have uh, a couple of questions also number 1 is i think coming from anand what is the difference between shraddha and andha shraddha What difference of faith and blind faith? This is generally the expression "blind faith" and the shraddha. So faith means shraddha or trust. So understand that without faith we cannot live our life. Almost every minute we are trusting something or somebody. When you are riding, for example, a bus, you are trusting the bus driver. when you are traveling in a plane you are trusting the pilot and so forth so understand that at every moment we are trusting something we have taken it for granted when you are walking you trust your you know organ of you know legs etc that you will have to do this meaning that the faith is involved at every step in our life you no difficulty in putting faith where we are assured So from the past number of experience, we know that the bus can be trusted, driver can be trusted, the plane pilot can be trusted, my feet can be trusted. Otherwise, you always ask, should I drink this or not? What does it contain? What do you put in there? Should I eat or not? There can be question at any time. But from past experience, we know that the food cooked at home is trustworthy. The cup of tea. trustworthy what i am trying to point out is that remember that at every moment in whatever small or big thing we are doing the faith or shraddha is involved the question is we are not sure about things 
you go to a new place or you do new things. That is when the question can be there whether uh, I should do it or not or whether the person is trustworthy or not, etc. So, uh, there were Shraddha and Anda Shraddha. Faith always requires the support of the reasoning intellect. So, before doing anything, we should also apply reasoning whether what we are uh, about, what, what, we ex- what we believe, is it reasonable or not. I will give you an example. For example, belief in God, let us say. Is belief in God Shraddha or Andha Shraddha? That depends on it, you know, whether or not you have thought about God. Does it make sense that God is there? There is a whole universe created by God, Arishwara, is functioning smoothly, functioning in a fair manner that shows that somebody must have created who has, knows exactly what he's doing. You find the whole universe is functioning in orderly manner. So there is something which maintains that order. So thus from all these things, we it is reasonable to accept an Ishwara with a creator, sustainer, ordainer, you know. That there is a fairness. So like this in any belief, you should subject that belief to your reasoning faculty. Whether, see question of belief comes when you don't have experience, understand. When you have experience, then question of belief is not there. No need to believe that there is, this is daylight. It is daylight because experience. So question of belief comes. When you have not yet experienced that and still that forms an important part of your life. The question of belief comes when you have not yet experienced it and still it forms an important part of your life. For example, Upanishad says, Satyameva Jayate Nanrutam. The truth alone wins. The falsehood never wins. How do you know? Truth alone wins. Falsehood does not win. Should I put my faith in that? Should I speak truth? Because speaking truth sometimes involves a lot of hardship. Sometimes sacrifice. And is it worth doing that or not? So this statement that the Satyameva Jayate, the truth wins. The Anurtam, the falsehood never wins. We should subject it to the scrutiny of thinking faculty, reasoning faculty, whether it makes sense or not. Thus, any kind of faith that you have should be subjected to reasoning, whether it makes sense or not. If you believe something that makes sense, it is called Shraddha. Believe something that doesn't make sense, it is called blind faith. You know? Without thinking, accepting something may be called blind faith. Accepting some, something with reason, thinking or reasoning would be called faith or shraddha. So belief which is accompanied by reasoning faculty convinced, and I am fairly convinced then it is called shraddha. I have not given any thought at all. I just blindly do it. That may be called andha shraddha. So, that's the difference in Shraddha. 
And the Shraddha and Shraddha is always desirable. Any question on this? It is very clear. Huh? Clear? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Next question, how to remain undisturbed when something bad happens? How to remain undisturbed when something bad happens? See, we get disturbed because we have decided that what has happened is bad. I am just talking from a fundamental point of view. When something happens, we brand it. This is bad. And then we get disturbed. This is good. Then we get happy, elated. So we react to situations with what we in Sanskrit called harsha and choka. Harsha means happy, elated. Choka means unhappy, depressed. So usually these are the kind of reactions that we have towards situations happening around us. And so all right, except that something bad has happened. How to remain undisturbed? It depends upon the consequences of what has happened. The bad thing that has happened, it may be loss of a loved one, it may be loss in business, it may be loss of a friend, it may be a, a, a relationship break, etc., etc. If this is what you mean by bad, well, these things are disturbing. These things will make us unhappy, it's understandable. And the shock will perhaps disturb us. But in course of time, when we think about the other aspects also, when something bad is there, there is a counterpart also which is often good. We have to perhaps think of that aspect also, you know. Let me just give you a short story. Story of a Greek old man who had a young son. So, this son once went to his, with his friends to forest. And from there, he got a wild horse, brought home. And so neighbors came to this old man and said, you are very lucky. They congratulated him. Your son got a horse free. Old man says, whatever God wants, does is, is all right. This boy was riding the horse. Understand it was a wild horse, not a trained horse. And that horse threw him off. He broke his limbs, was bedridden. Those neighbors came, consoled this man. Oh, something very bad happened. He says, no, whatever Ishwara wants is good. After a while, this country declared war with the neighboring country. And all able-bodied young people were drafted to army. Except this boy was injured. Therefore, he was saved. Those friends again came, neighbor. Oh, you are... You are lucky. Says whatever God does is good for me. You follow what I am saying? Meaning that when a given event happens, we brand it as unfortunate, as bad, as wrong, should not have happened. But we do not know all the dimensions of that event, number one. We do not know also 
what consequences this event will have in future. So what appears to be unfortunate, bad, creating sadness may have perhaps some different consequences in future. We do not know that. So this is where Shraddha comes, you know. Shraddha means this faith. Like the old man, your faith, whatever God does must be good. Now that may be from his experience also. But similarly, if there is faith in our life, that whatever happens is ultimately done by Ishwara, by God. And that is he does not punish me. He is my well wisher. He doesn't want to hurt me, doesn't want to punish me. And therefore, what appears like an unfortunate act or a bad thing also is done by Ishwara. You may feel that your friend has done something, your client has done something, your employee has done something, which may be so. Ultimately, Ishwara is doing through all this. And that being the case, in every situation, if you can bring an Ishwara into the situation, you know, Ishwara or God is called Karmafaladata, the one who gives the results of our actions. So, therefore, He is the one who has done this, and now comes the faith. It is my well-wisher. That's what Lord Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, that I am the surat or well-wisher of all the beings, accepting in faith. So when we bring in these factors, it may help us absorb to some extent the shock of the situation. When something bad or unfortunate happens, then we are shocked. We lose the balance, bring in Ishwara, Karmafaladata, give her the results of action. And then in every situation also, one side of the coin is bad, is always on the side of coin also, is likely to be good, which I do not know right now. Nothing is just what we see. What we see is always one side of the coin. The coin has always two sides. I do not know what the other side is. That's where Shraddha or faith comes. Rishwara must have something in mind. Other side also will be there, which may, uh, in course of time, uh, manifest in my life. And therefore, I should not lose my faith, should not uh, be disappointed, should not feel that is the end of the world. So this will help you absorb the shock and then slowly overcome and proceed with your life. Otherwise, sometimes we get stuck. Our life gets stuck because we cannot overcome this shock. So this understanding of the role of Ishwara in our life will help us slowly accept it in good faith and proceed with our life.
Any questions? Um, Swamiji, here I had some thoughts and some questions. Hmm. Uh, so, just to, like uh, one minute before we that... before we go to the next question, any any comments on what I just said about when something bad happened? You know, remember any comments on that? Anybody? Yes. Because everybody has to face this. Right. Uh, yes, so uh, what I was thinking is it's very true that we need to have Shraddha and faith in um, all low time phases of life as well as uh, good times. Mm. But um, when you mention, it's linked to the previous question as well about Shraddha and Anshraddha. Mm. Uh, when you have faith in God, sometimes a lot of time people try to look for a logic behind it. But I feel... God, you don't need to have any logic to have faith in God. It would be somehow counterintuitive to find logic when it comes to faith. No. What, what are your thoughts? No, logic, that? logic supports the faith. It is called supporting logic, not proving logic, supporting logic. What if there is no logic, then faith can be easily okay. shaken. Usually, when there is a faith, we expect everything good will happen. It does not happen, then the faith gets shaken. Yes. That's where logic comes in okay. yeah, yeah. So, for making the faith firm, the reasoning yes. is important. Yeah. Okay. But when you have faith in God, only particularly God, then why do we need logic? Can't we just believe without logic that there is a supreme power which is guiding and helping everybody? Helping everybody is, is, is also judgment. Whether a given event that happened is helped or hurt. Because yes. I have my own definition of what is help and hurt. Now God may have his definition. I have my definition. So I, I conclude that what happened is hurtful. And then to say that no, no, God helps me is difficult unless there is a logic, unless, you know. Okay. Yeah, because we have our own conclusions which are very often different from the conclusion that God has. That is when the questions yes. come. Otherwise, there's no, if everything is going on well as I want, no question comes. But why yes. is he, how can God do this? Why is he punishing me? Why do these questions arise? I have done all these, all the prayers. How come, what is he doing for me? I, when we frustrate, frustrate, all kinds of questions arise. That time, yes. mere faith doesn't work. That's when the reasoning also is required. Mm. Okay. So Anand, that takes care of your the question, the first email, okay? Yeah. Now the second email. Many times we have come across sayings like service to mankind is service to God. Service to mankind is service to God. Oh, service to mankind is service to God. It is true because God alone is manifest as man. We, you know, what we know, understand about God is that God alone is manifest as his universe. As all living beings. And the ideally serving any living beings is serving God. Because he alone is manifest. Of them, 
the mankind is the, the, the most excellent manifestation of God. So man is closest to God in that sense. So serving anybody serving God, understand, not only mankind, serving anybody or any creature also is serving God because God is in that form. But then serving mankind is serving God because this most excellent expression is in mankind. So uh, serving mankind is because mankind is easy to do. God we don't know. We don't come across him. I do not know whether I'm what I'm doing is reaching God or not. You follow? In your puja, you are making all offerings and flowers, etc. But then you accept, believe that it reaches God. But when mankind, as a human being, looked upon as God, maybe a poor man, a needy person, basically, maybe a poor person, physically suffering, mentally suffering, in need. Then when you when you help, it is very clear that the help the need help is reaching there. Therefore, it is much easier for us to see the confirmation and see the immediate result of what we are doing when it comes to living beings and comes to human because human being can express his feeling much better than an animal can express. So, in as much as the whole universe is manifestation of Ishwara. And therefore, human beings also are the most advanced manifestation of Ishwara. And also, we can most relate to human beings. We can understand language. There are people who are very sensitive to the creatures also, and that's good. We may not be very sensitive to creatures because we don't understand language or the feelings. We understand. We are human beings. So, we know our feelings. So, it's easier to understand feelings of the human beings, relate to them, help them. So that way, very often people say, I have not seen God. I don't know where God is. I don't know how to please Him. Well, here is God in this, you know, in front of you. Manifest God. So manifest God. Like sun is manifest God. Moon is manifest God. Manifest means, similarly, universe is manifest God. Of them, human beings are most manifest to us because they are human beings. Therefore, it is true that serving mankind is serving God. So, Jana Seva, Janardana Seva, that's what he said. Jana Seva, serving Jana means human beings, Janardana Seva. And so, do that. Because that Seva directly reaches the God who is sitting there. And therefore, it's much easier to do and also more fulfilling to do. That does not mean that we should not have other puja, that should be there. At the same time, over and above that, there can be service in our life where you will see the immediate result of that. And you also have a satisfaction of doing something. That puja of a, of a, of a murti may not right away bring that satisfaction as much as serving a needy human being will bring. So let that also be a part of the life, you know, serving. Uh, then helping hands are better than praying hands. This is Mahatma Gandhi's uh, statement. Two helping hands are better than two praying lips, is to say. That is true. Helping hands means expressing or feeling in action. Prayer means expressing feeling only 
at the mental level. Prayer means expressing feeling the mental level. Helping means expressing that attitude in action. So when an attitude is expressed in action, because much more solidified. You follow? It is like writing in water or writing on stone. So simply having an attitude is like writing in water, which disappears. Expressing that in action. I love my mother. Do something. So don't simply say I love my mother. Do something that mother likes. So whatever your passions are, express them in your, in your actions. Our Swami used to say, physicalize your attitude. Physicalize your attitude. So if your attitude of helping, physicalize that. The attitude becomes stronger, becomes solid. And that attitude is what you are. You are what your attitudes are. Never serving is the best way. That's what Gandhi used to say. Two serving hands are better than two praying lips. Because uh, you know that, you know, lips are good, prayer is good. But still prayer remains the mental level which has less effect than work that is done at the physical level. Now, next question is, should we believe in astrological interpretation for living life? That's a matter of your matter of faith. Should we believe? Not that. Uh, it depends. There are people who have a lot of faith in astrology. There are others who don't have. Uh, in my my personal approach is that astrology is a, is a well developed science, and therefore we should use astrology as a tool, not hang ourselves on astrology. But sometimes while making important decisions, astrological help can help. Not the only thing, like marriage alliance, you know. So, astrological thing can help how many points are matching. But that doesn't mean that's the only thing. We also look at the important aspect. What is the compatibility? What is what? So many other aspects are involved. So, in making a decision, take into account all the physical or evident aspects. And then also, Add astrological input as a tool, as an aid. So, astrological uh, input is not a substitute for your other considerations. Making any decision in any situation, once you take into account whatever various factors are involved, which you do, then Astrology can perhaps help you to make a choice. So we should not depend only on astrology. We should first depend upon our, our reasoning intellect. All do investigations. No, you know, there is no substitute for that. And then astrological prediction can perhaps give us, most, give us more confidence in making a decision. Okay. Third question is, what should be a regular prayer routine? You know, prayers should be wish God. So earlier we talked about Ishta Devata, chosen deity. Fortunately, in, in our Hinduism, there is a whole array of gods, you know. Look at them. Who appears? Usually, 
when you are when you are growing up in a family there is always a family identity with which we get associated anyway so very often the choice is already made for us in case it is not made you have whole array of gods lord krishna is there rama is there hanuman is there ganapati is there lord shiva is there devi is there so many are there see what appeals to you depending on your own emotional constitution depending on your own emotional need some people are in search of mother some people in search of father etc and sometimes the dishta devata may satisfy that need emotional need then you can connect better so uh, some people love all the glories you know so those who love glories and uh, power etc they may go with lord vishnu some people are more impressed by renunciation and by so they may go with lord shiva some people are more impressed by uh, the idea of the protection they may go with the devi so depends upon our own emotional structure our own needs and our own feelings that's how the ishta devata will be chosen <clears throat> regular prayer routine we talked about the prayer earlier about uh, you know so i think this question is already answered so anand that uh, takes care of all the questions that i had Uh, yes. Uh, anyone uh, has any other questions or comments or comments? All right. So shall we conclude uh, the meeting? Ah. Thank you so much, Swamiji, for this uh, very very interesting um, interactive session. Uh, all my questions are answered, and I'm uh, very happy to. Uh, have found some solutions to some of the ways in which i can think to um, you know carry on day to day activities so i would like to thank you again and uh, that would be all from me thank you very good so then uh, uh, let me conclude the prayer conclude the prayer thank you purnamada purnamidam purnat purnamudachade पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवशिष्य ओं शाति 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 हरि ओगुभ्यो नम हरि ओ नमस्कार